Hey everybody, welcome. This is Nitan Mosier, the Traveling Investor, with another edition of the Traveling Investor Radio Show. And we're live on Facebook and YouTube. And today we've got a great, awesome guest. We have Julianne Peterson from Old Capital. She's a mortgage broker and way more than that, she's a great person to have on your team. And you know, this is where we talk about learning how to master your mind, body, and wallet. And we talk mm. about different financial issues and matters and real estate and how you can go about creating passive income so you can live life on your terms. Hey, Julie, how are you? Hey, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for inviting me on to the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. You know, um, you know, so as I said, you know, we talk about a lot of different subjects. We talk about how to master your mind so you can have the right mindset when you're going out and building your empire. Uh, you know, how to how to master your body so you can stay healthy and how to master your wallet. Right. So that you can have passive income so that you can go out and do everything that you want to do in life. And, you know, we talk a lot about building your team and about having the right people on your team to help you achieve massive success. And, you know, one of the people that I always talk about having on your team is someone that, I, that can help you with the financial aspect, right? Getting the loans, getting the debt, getting all that built in so that you can go out and actually create numbers and do the right thing and, and go to your investors and show them that you know exactly what you're doing and what you're talking about. And, and guys, you know, Julie is one of those people that you definitely want to have on your team. So Julie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you started from and how you got involved yeah. with Old Capital and, and what's going on now? Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, again, my name is Julianne Peterson. I'm with Old Capital Lending, and we are a premier provider of debt. Poten potentially, the most that we do is in multifamily because that is what is hot right now. But we'll also look at other asset classes like industrial, retail, office, the other asset classes that are doing fairly well, but multifamily is really where it's at. So um, I've been in business. I've actually been in real estate for 30 years, purchased my first asset myself when I was 22. Don't really look at those numbers, but yeah, so for 30 years. And then uh, I've been a landlord for 20 years. So I know exactly how to get in and out of these deals. Um, I have been a passive investor for five years. And now I am uh, working on GP status and I work for old capital lending as a mortgage lender. And we are a broker. So we work on behalf of our clients, not going direct, but we have many, many, many different options when it comes to this lending. Um, old capital has been in business for 36 years. We wow. close a billion dollars a year. There's only wow. 11 of us. But we start with loans that are a million dollars and no, and five units. So don't think that since we do so much business that we don't look at at new folks because that's really the core of, of my business is working with new folks. Right. So let me ask you, Julie, how important is it to have someone like you on the team? Right. Well, you know, because I always talk about, you know, you got to have the right people on your team. You know, everybody says, oh, mortgage brokers are mortgage brokers and so forth. But having someone like you on the team, you know, <clears throat> explain to what can you do for us? How can you well, benefit a syndicator or someone getting started in real estate right now? Well, 
Again, we are your biggest partner in this deal. We're bringing 70, 80, 85% of the deal, um, the loan, the money that bring comes to your, to your transaction. So, you know, we always say do business with uh, people, you know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. And so when you work with somebody like old capital, like Julie at old capital, you know, we're going to look for different solutions for you. Maybe you're thinking, I want to go agency and that's not necessarily the best uh, strategy. So I'm here to help you look at what, you want to accomplish in the time frame so that your investors get the best return on their money, right? That's really what we're trying to do. And you know, with the the amount of experience that we bring, many times it's it's not about the quarter percent that you're going to save by working with another broker. It ultimately is who's going to close the loan because you can work on these transactions for 2 years. Mm -hmm. And if you can't close, it doesn't matter what the the percentage that you're saving. So you always want to try and work with a qualified lender. And, you know, we can also help bring other people to your transaction. A lender has great relationships with sponsors, just like Nitsan. He has, he and I work together so that we can bring you to a close with our with your transaction we can help bring limited partners to your transaction we i can bring attorneys we can bring uh insurance brokers so it's not just the the debt side of it but it is the whole team that comes together really a pivotal a pivotal uh point to 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 your um education in in this industry is knowing who can make a difference um, in your transaction. Right. So how? So let me ask you this. So how would someone go about finding the right broker or mortgage broker? What should they be looking for when they're talking to different brokers, mortgage brokers, lending companies, things of that nature? Well, mo most importantly, how many have you closed? And who do you work with? What kind of debt can I get from you? Again, if you're looking at something that's not stabilized, and by that not stabilized is uh, a, a property that's not 90% occupied for 90 days, that's going to take us down another road. Um, you can go direct to a lender, but they may not be able to get you a bridge loan, may not be able to get you a hard money, may not be able to get you a bank. That's why working with a mortgage broker, we have lots of different tools that we can put together for you. And, and the strategy may be you're buying an asset that's not stabilized. I can bring you a bridge loan and then take you out of that in two to three years and get you some long-term debt. So really looking at the possibilities of working with a lender, what can we do um, to make it possible? So I think it's okay. really important. Yeah. So you threw out some terms and I want to, you know, let's, let's talk a little definitions here for some people who are listening that are getting involved or just getting started and, you know, trying to figure out. So you mentioned hard money, you mentioned Correct. bridge loan, right? Yeah. Um, institutional lenders. What's the difference between those three hard money, sure. bridge, institutional, there's mezzanine, right? What are those different terms and, and different products out there? So hard money is typically um, going to be 
use when you want to get in to a transaction as quickly as possible. And sometimes sellers want to um, get out of their transaction. So they'll look for the greatest possible uh, buyer that can get in and get out quickly. So uh, hard money is typically a very expensive loan. It's usually shorter term debt. There are points associated with it. You know, there are hard money lenders that will work below a million and they'll go up as high as 20, 30, 40, 50 million. So um, that's a type of transaction. You're going to be paying anywhere from uh, 8% eight, eight all the way up to 20%. So it's expensive. Um, when we talk about bridge lending, there are several different bridge lending uh, options. There are recourse uh, loans, which are you're taking your personal liability and you're um, responsible for uh, paying for that loan or there's non-recourse loans, uh, bridge loans. So those would be something whereby you're signing on the loan, but it is not hitting your balance sheet. The, the bank is not going to come over and put their hand in your pocket and take your wallet, which is what happens with a lot of recourse lending. So you really mm -hmm. want to go towards non-recourse lending, which then moves into uh, your agency financing. That's your Fannie and Freddie. That is how syndications really came about because we are able to get on agency financing, longer term debt, lower cost, and uh, it allows you to pay out. We, we do this thing called interest only. So imagine you're bringing in tons of rent and all you're paying is a small amount of interest. So the strategy is we bring our investors in, we get long-term debt with interest only, and we're paying distributions for two to three years. And then we can get out without even having to pay principal. So a lot of, the, of our syndicators like that option on our Fannie and Freddie products. Mezzanine, we don't get into a lot of mezzanine debt. We, we work with CMBS, which is typically where Freddie and Fannie don't play. That's a great option. Um, there are some limitations with CMBS. Typically, they don't have a rehab component. So if you're thinking of a value add where you're doing re, you're doing a rehab, capex, changing out the interiors, CMBS is not necessarily a good fit for you. They are $50,000 on an application fee. So we try and stay more so in agency debt. And we can go into that, um, you know, at a later time during this um, interview or however you want to structure that. We can talk further about agency. So what's the difference between um, a CMBS and if you can define what CMBS means versus mm -hmm. an agency? You know, yes. financing. Yeah. So CMBS is commercial mortgage backed securities. That's what CMBS stands for. And really what this is, is it goes out, a, a company will go out and look for investors who will like the opportunity that you are proposing that me as a broker will say, I'll go to my CMBS lender and say, I have this opportunity. Would your investors be open to it? And so they're out shopping for people to invest in it. Not everybody likes those opportunities. 
Um, it is a, uh, what we see the application for CMBS, it, again, is where Fannie and Freddie don't like those markets, but we also see those in industrial. We see it in um, sometimes mobile home parks will work on it, office, retail. Those are the CMBS application. Um, what the difference also in this is that it's, we, we cannot, put on a supplemental loan, a second loan, like kind of like you're refinancing. And, and we'll talk about that more. You, you're really limited. You can throw on a second mezzanine, but CMBS does not really like that. It's, uh, it's harder to re-lever the deal on a CMBS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Now, if someone's getting started in multifamily and commercial investing and they don't have um, a track record or they don't have anything of that nature, how easy or difficult is it for them to get a mortgage? And, and what would they need to do to be able to get financing for one of their projects? Right. So it really depends on what your focus is. If your focus is doing smaller units, 12, 15, and that's where you want to play. You don't want to grow into a syndication model. This is something where maybe you're, you know, doing a couple, three, three or four investors. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's more of a JV deal. Um, you know, you could look at bank financing. That would be more local. That would be credit union, something that may be around a million dollars. Certainly old capital will play in bank financing when it goes over a million. But our, when we, when we look at bank financing, they're really looking at your credit scores and what your experience is. Um, we really would like to see you know, the people look at an option of the Fannie and Freddie. And that's where it gets a little bit more challenging and really where you need to figure out, is this the, the, the way I want my business to go? Because the sooner you get into Fannie and Freddie financing, the faster your wealth grows. And I'll tell you why. You need to build your network as we talk about our team. And so the, the first thing that you want to be doing before you even look at a transaction, if your growth is to say, I'm going to do syndications, you need to find a sponsor. A sponsor has net worth, liquidity, and experience. And this experience is critical, especially these days in covid our lenders, Fannie and Freddie, they want to see that you have uh, someone on your team that's done this before. We're not going to just go out and give you capital, right? That's in a, in a perfect world. That would be great. But we really want to see this person like Nitsan. He has experience. He's got experience in a local market. He has experience in Texas. He's doing deals. A guy like Nissan is somebody that you want to get to know very, very clearly. What are Nissan's goals? What can, what does Nissan, what kind of market does Nissan want to get into? If he doesn't want to go to Idaho, then Nissan is not your guy. If you want to be in, in Idaho, then you need to find a guy that's open to Idaho. But mm -hmm. what you need on this, in this network, net worth, liquidity, and experience is this. When you're looking at a, let's call it a, a, a million for 
pro property. So I don't know, 10, 10, 15 unit deal. I don't care where it is. It, it's going to at, at 75 or 80% LTV, you're going to be at 1 million loan amount. You're going to need net worth of a little bit more than a million dollars. Okay, so you need to find somebody. Maybe you have a million dollars, but you don't have experience. Again, that's why you're looking for somebody like Nissan who has experience. The second portion of this is that you need liquidity. What is liquidity? Liquidity is cash, cash in the bank. It's also marketable securities. What are marketable securities, Julie? Well, marketable securities are insurance policies. They may be even stocks and bonds. These are things that we can get to quickly for cash. So when you are looking at a deal, 1.4, again, your loan amount is a million. I'm going to need 100000 in liquidity. So maybe you have it. You have the net worth. You have that liquidity, but you don't have the experience. Again, you got to have Nissan on your on your. Uh, team. That last piece is two years of experience in multifamily. Two years of multifamily. I'm brand new. I don't have it. You got to have Nissan or somebody as a sponsor on your deal. They have to have three to five multifamily transactions under their belt with this two years. Now you say to me, Julie, I got 50 single family homes in Idaho I'm looking to buy this deal in Idaho, but I don't have experience. Will you give me this loan? I'm probably going to tell you, you got single family, but you got 50 of them. I might be able to work with you on that as the experience in a smaller tertiary market, maybe. But I always say having a sponsor, somebody who has experience, who's going to hold your hand, it's really worth having him on or her on your team where they can help help coach you. That's really what this sponsor is. It's somebody that's going to help secure your experience with the lender. You know, you're going to also be talking to your investors and you're going to say, I'm new here, but I have Nissan. He has all the experience and we're hanging our hat with him. He's actually also going to put a little bit of money into the deal. What I, I do want to um, make sure that you, you, you probably hear this. There's a lot of gurus that say, use other people's money. I agree with that and I don't. Because really from the lender side and from your investor side, they're going to want to see that the pilot of, this, of, of the flight has some money in the transaction. So you as the GP, the general partner, who has brought this deal to a sponsor, I want to see about 10% coming from the, the, the GP, from the, the cockpit, if you will. Is that 10% of the loan amount or 10% of the purchase price? 10% of the loan amount. We as lenders always talk about the loan amount. So yeah, you're looking at a transaction of 1.4, but what what works for us is it's a million dollar transaction for us. So mm -hmm. um, we're going to want to see that on that 10%, yes, you've got liquidity, but I'm going to look for 10% coming from your one, two, three, however many people are in your, your uh, general partnership to, to bring that in. That's going to, not only is it going to bring strength to the deal, it's going to, you're, you only have to capital raise 15%, but really that's telling your investors, we believe in this transaction.
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So now let me ask you. So, okay. So let's yeah. say I'm starting out and like you said, you know, I have, I have the liquidity, but yes. I don't have the track record. I don't have the experience. I haven't done the deal. Can I go out and find another person who has the experience, someone who's got track record, you know, uh, or, or the net worth? Can it be multiple people acting as the sponsors or, or does it have to absolutely. be one person? No, absolutely. You know, if you don't have any of those and I'm in a transaction right now, the guy found it and it might be you who's, who has found this deal. I'm so excited to be in multifamily. I found this deal. What do I do? So you have nothing. Let's just say you have nothing and you find somebody, you met him online that doesn't sound good like it used to, you know, it doesn't sound like, oh, I found them online. I'm dating online. No, I'm talking about, you know, you find people in these kinds of conversations. You had a conversation and say, hey, I'm looking for deals in Idaho for this example. And I'd be willing to bring in net worth and liquidity. That person you can put on your GP. Now he's with you uh, holding your hand. He doesn't have the experience. So now you got to go back to your, to your uh, phone and see who else that you've spoken to that has experience. And really, it would be great if you have ex this, this sponsor has experience in the market that you have. Now, here's the other thing that you really need to, to think about. You're, let's say you're not in Boise, Idaho, where the transaction is, but you really wanna invest in Boise because everybody has said, Neil Bawa said, we got to go to Boise, Idaho. Now, what would you what you really should be looking for also on your team is boots on the ground. You live in Boy in uh, Davenport, Iowa, and you found this transaction in Boise. It would be really great if again you find someone in your contact list that it is living there. That person you could put on your GP. It would be great if you didn't have to pay them. But just think about it. That guy's going to drive by every day to your mm -hmm. transaction to make sure he's got eyes on your deal. So it's that person is critical to your success. Now, we're also going to look at who's going to be managing these deals. On a an agency loan in particular, and, and CMBS too, we're gonna look for a qualified property manager. Well, I, I've been an, a landlord on single family for 20 years. Can I do it? No, we need to see somebody who has like-kind units in that market that would be able to manage yours as well. So again, here's some, sometimes this has happened to us where you found a, a, a guy you like and you say, hey, I've got this, I'm looking at this deal. It's 30 units in Idaho. You're in Idaho. How many units do you manage? I only manage two properties that are multifamily. From a lender side, we're probably going to say, you got to go find someone else. And so again, talking about having a relationship with the, the lender, the lender might have really good property managers that could bring it to your deal. Another reason why you want to have a solid team that can help you in a, in a point where you need to pivot quickly because the lender is saying your property manager is not going to work out for us. It's amazing mm -hmm. that we can tell you not, not going to work, but again, we're bringing the largest amount of capital. Sure. So again, it's really a, something to be thinking about. How can I, 
how can I build a relationship with the people that matter the most to the transaction? And those are your lender and the sponsor who's going to help you take it down. Right. Those are the, those are the two most important people on your team right there, right? Without the lender, Absolutely. like you said, you don't have 70 to 85% of the funds to come in. Um, so with that being said, now I know that there's different parts of the mortgage, right? So you've got the equity that you're looking at, you have the interest rate, right? You have the mm -hmm. loan to value, right? Based upon mm -hmm. the appraisal and whatnot. And then you have mm -hmm. this thing that we all look at and we all kind of cringe at. Mm -hmm. It's called a prepayment penalty, right? And there's <sighs> two types of prepayment penalties that we always look at, right? There's what we call the step down and then the mm -hmm. yield maintenance, right? Yeah. How, when we're going into a loan, what should we look at with the prepayment penalties? Yeah. Right? And, so, and explain what a prepayment penalty is. Yeah, that's a great place uh, to, and a great topic because a lot of us are coming from single family. And back in the day, when I bought my first home, the, the lenders would say, I'm sorry, you got to hold on to this. Otherwise, you're going to be penalized for getting out of this loan. And that is really on every loan, in especially in agency, but we'll also find that in bank and in, in CMBS and sometimes in bridge as well, you have this prepayment penalty that says, hey, thanks for the loan, but I want to get out. Okay, that's fine, but there's going to be a penalty because the way that these are structured, these these, especially the Fannie and Freddie's, they're going out and they're committing to their investors, this, these, these commercial mortgage-backed securities. They're saying to their investors, hey, I've got this opportunity and for 10 years, you're gonna open up your mailbox and take out a, a, a interest of 3.5 for the next 10 years. And you're like, cool. I know interest rates are going down, so I want to get 3.5. Awesome. Well, we give you this loan, and maybe what happens is you decide, hmm, I want to get out of this 10-year loan in five years, which is completely fine, but we have to understand this before we get into the, the, the transaction. That's why we consult. We try and figure out what is your strategy. Mm -hmm. So what we are going to look for is, okay, you want to get out in five years. If we look at the current situation before COVID, we were transacting at four, 5%. Right now, the interest rates are the lowest they've been since even before 1955. Wow. So in this in this environment right now, you're thinking about, okay, is the interest rates going to continue to go down? Now, the Fed has said, we're going to hold it steady for three years. And we saw that in 2008 and 2009, they held it for seven years. So a lot of investors are saying, I don't see it going down. I only see it going up. So with that said, when you're thinking about, can I if I'm gonna hold this on for five years and our interest rates are low, I can think yield maintenance penalty, which says if the interest rates go down, I have to make up because all those investors said, I'm gonna get 3.5 today for 10 years. Well, if it goes down, I have to make up that loss. 
And mm -hmm. right now, these people that transacted two years ago at 5% are trying to get out of those loans and they're millions and millions of dollars. I'm telling you, I did one. We had a $40 million loan and 10 million to get out of it. Oh, wow. So that is a huge, how, how are you going to make up for that? How, where's that money going to come from for your investors? So we really need to know how long you're thinking. And if you want to, and in this environment, I would say yield maintenance is a really good strategy because even today, the 10 year treasury is going up. It, you know, I'm not sure that what the, the 10 year, uh, what the Fed said, holding it for three years is actually truth, but we are seeing this go up, up, up. Um, so we wanna be thinking about this prepayment strategy. Now, the other one is called the step-down prepayment. And here's how that works. Mm -hmm. If you wanna sleep at night and you wanna say, I gotta know how much it's gonna cost me to get out of this. I'm not willing to take a chance like that guy who has to pay 20, 10 million to get out of his loan, you're gonna say, I, want, I, I, I can't live with that, I need to know. So if you're holding onto a piece of paper right now and you're taking notes, which I really think is a great idea, take your, your pen and go across the piece of paper and write on top of that line, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. 10-year loan, 10 years broken up across. Now below the line, we're going to put underneath the one first year, you have a prepayment penalty of five, 5% to get out of this. The second year, five, third year, four, fourth year, four. And do you see a pattern here? Three, five, five, four, four. And it goes down the, the line. So five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. So Again, that's that that thought. Five years. What's it going to cost to get out of that loan? It's going to cost how much? Three percent. It's going to cost you three percent to get out of that loan. So, what you do in your modeling tool that you're using, you're going to go to sale. You're going to have a three percent, maybe two percent commission, but you're also going to have that step down. Uh, uh, payment, uh, that, that charge of 3%. And that's on the loan amount, the, the remaining loan balance. And so you need to make sure that you're looking at that when you're at the beginning, not when you go to sell it, but it, you really do need to have a plan and a strategy for each one of these deals. It's not like single family where you buy it and you think about what's going to happen down the road. You really, this is a business we have to know how we're, we're running our business and when we're getting out so that we can effectively and efficiently communicate to our investors, this is what you are going to be experiencing over this amount of time. Because let me tell you, this is a problem. You, can, you, you, you are bringing investors to this deal and you're saying, hey, I want, I'm gonna do this for a long hold. And your investors are thinking, I'm going for a short term hold. And this has happened where we got single family investors in a deal and they're like, okay, cool. We're, we're fixing, 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 fixing and, and flipping. And then the syndicator said, oh no, this one, we're going to do it 10 years. And they said, we're out of here. They were in a loan. They weren't going to fix and flip it anymore. They're going to hold it. And all the investors went crazy. 
So we had to kind of pull it back, let them out, put in new investors, and now we've got the deal back moving along. You don't want that to happen. It's a very risky proposition to, to find yourself in. Mm -hmm. Again, this has to be communicated. The whole thought process, surveying your investors is critical to the success of, the, of your transaction and deal. And this is why it's so important to have someone like you on the team that can explain to the syndicators, to the GPs, exactly what the process is, what the steps are. Yeah. Um, what happens if, you know, let's say you're buying a deal, you know, you bought, you close on a property and you're in it two, three years and someone comes and offers you a great price for your property, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you've got your yield maintenance or you've got the step down prepayment penalty. What are some of the options uh, for you as the owner to actually be able to sell that property? Well, you would want to make sure that you figure out, remember what the terms of that loan were. So if you were in a step down, you'd want to know what the prepayment penalty is and you'd want to add that to, well, you'd want to make sure that that would be covered. And you could also say, well, I've got this prepayment penalty. Um, you can assume my loan and we're seeing a ton of those right now in assumptions. Um, or they could, you could potentially just go, those guys would get a new loan and, uh, and you know, even you could even think about saying, Hey, this was a great, I, I, I love this property. I want to stay in it and you could invest in their deal. You could sell it and remain in their deal and get the, the, the tax advantages because most likely you're going to do a cost segregation that know those new people are going to do a cost segregation. Mm -hmm. And how amazing would that be? You know, you're, you're out of this, you're out of your deal. You can take your capital and buy another one and you're still staying in. These are, these are options, right? But you want to make sure that if someone is coming to your transaction, what is the least amount of money that is going to come out of your investors to, to allow that sale to go through? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, one last topic I want to talk about. So we've seen, and you mentioned it a little bit, we've seen interest rates kind of hovering really low and everybody's saying, well, you know, interest rates can't go down anymore. Are they going to go up? What's the story? What have you seen in the last couple of days that's been happening with interest rates? And how do you think that's going to affect the real estate market? We are seeing interest rates going up. And, uh, you know, there is this thing called uh, inflation. And inflation, people are concerned about inflation. And ultimately, you know, when we think about it, we think it's bad. But for property owners like ourselves, interest we, we're on a we're on a fixed rate uh, uh, loan, and you your the inflation affects things. Your rents go up, right? And so it's not necessarily a bad thing for inflation. But you really do want to be thinking about the time is now to get into these, uh, as opposed to later. Um, one of the things that just happened over the last couple of days is on, in COVID, um, again, what happened in 2008 is that we were in a financial crisis. 
this is not a financial crisis that we're in. This is a health crisis. And yes, we are in a recession. And you'll, you'll hear people talk about that. It's hard for us to believe that we're in a recession when rents keep going up and okay. our, our, the stock market keeps going up. People are on empty flights, but the stock for American Airlines keeps going up. How does that work? Right. But what's happened in COVID is we put these reserves in place. In March, we shut it down. We raised uh, interest rates to kind of slow everything down. And a lot of transactions fell out. It slowly changed. We were uh, we, we had to have principal and interest. We had to have mm -hmm. insurance. We had to have taxes put into a, an escrow account and held there. But just with Fannie over the last 24 hours, those reserves have been kind of, let's really think about, can we allow this transaction to go through without needing those COVID reserves, which is huge because in some of these transactions, that principal and interest reserves are millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So this is opening up a lot of doors for folks new to the transaction that are not going to have to capital raise a ton of money to get into these deals. But I will, I will warn you and I will tell you that yes, the interest rates are going up, but we're seeing tightening, tightening of, of deals where we want to make sure that that sponsor in the deal is solid. Um, there are opportunities and there will be more opportunities over the next six to 12 months where these sponsors have gotten into the, a transaction where maybe they were new or maybe the lenders allowed them to get into these transactions and they're not, they're not doing a good job. The management of those transactions is not going well, not because they're doing a bad job, but simply because they, they don't have enough capital to hold them over with some of these eviction notices, right? And, and so they've got people living in those properties, but they're not paying. So at some point, these are going to be out on the market. Now, they're going to still be able to be at the higher costs, at the higher sales prices, because they are still going along. But if something were to happen further, they would not want to put their investors at risk. So the time is now to be thinking about how can I find that sponsor who can jump into this deal? And I want to be really clear about this. These sponsors could take two years, two years to get in a transaction with you. You have to nurture them. You have to give them energy. You have to be calling them. This is not something that's going to happen overnight. Nitsan and I are still building our relationship together, just like you will be working with a sponsor or someone like Nitsan. It has to be a slow process because remember, this is a business. You're going to be in business with this sponsor for potentially 10 years. You better like them. It better be a good fit. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a marriage. It's a financial marriage. It is a marriage. Right. So absolutely. you definitely have to do it. And, and a lot of people ask me, you know, when should I contact the sponsors? When should I get, you know, when should I reach out to them? And, and you know, that's, it's now. 
before you have a deal, before you've got anything under contract, before you're putting out a letter of intent, right? Just like you said in the beginning, find out what their, you know, what their magic is. What do they like? Yes. You know, do they like big deals, smaller deals, value plays? Do they like, you know, stabilized properties where it's just cash flowing from day one? What cities and markets do they like to be in? Right. Mm -hmm. All that kind of all that information is, is huge. Right. It's it's mm -hmm. you know, I, I equate it to if you're you know, if you're going into a bar and you see a guy or a girl at the bar and you're like, oh, you know, they're really cute. You're not going to walk up to them and go, hey, you want to get married? <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. I love right? that. That's very true. You're going you're gonna to go and you're going to want a couple of dates. You're going to see what their hobbies are, what they like, what they're this, and different scenarios, situations, and so forth. Yes. My business partner, we used to go, what we used to do when we would work with uh, new investors is mm -hmm. we would find an opportunity to go out with them to dinner or for mm -hmm. drinks or something, you know, going to these networking events and you're meeting new people. You want to see who they are and what they are. Right? So we go out and, you know, have a couple of drinks and eat and get into different types of fun situations and see how how they act with the wait staff see how they act with other people and if you know if they're jerks and they're not nice you know we kind of just say thank you but no thank you we don't want to be involved with you because you know the great thing about mm -hmm. doing what we're doing is choosing who we get to work with yeah right building relationships with people that we like to hang out with people that we trust people that we get along with right people that think in the same you know same path and and, and have the same mindset as we do so um, yeah so absolutely you know getting in touch with the sponsors as quickly as possible is is is, is huge um, and, and 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 I would I'll jump in there and say it's not just one because mm -hmm. when you have that transaction that might not be a good timing for for that uh, that sponsor. So have right. three or four of them. And if you're in different markets, it's good to have a sponsor in each one of those markets. Mm -hmm. I would also caution you, don't go for five or six markets. You want to be the most connected person in two or three right. communities, in two or three 30-mile radius areas. And then those sellers know, whoo, Susie is doing tons of business over here. I want to sell my property to them. They're doing some right. great things. Right. So be be connected, be be knowledgeable, and know all of the cast of characters in that area. Awesome, Julie. It's been awesome. You know, time flies when you're having fun. We are. You know? You know, and I appreciate all the knowledge and 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 your your huge experience and whatnot. How can people find you? Yes. Well, I am all over uh, the internet. Um, that is in Facebook and in LinkedIn, Julianne Peterson. Um, I also run a Zoom at 8 call. You're all welcome on Tuesday night, Zoom at 8 Eastern. And uh, we have inv investors, we have sponsors, we have all of your help your team be there. And Nitsan will be there too one of these days. He's You've been there. But um, Come and join us and build your team and build your knowledge. And in that Zoom at 8, we're on Facebook. The, the link is there. And I, I think that that is a super helpful place to start. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Julie, thank you so much. Uh, you know, you're a wealth of information. You're a great person. We, uh, we you know, I, I always enjoy speaking with you. And, you. you know, it's, it's, it's phenomenal uh, building the team together. 
Uh, I want to thank everybody that, that's been watching us and, and is here. Our next live stream is going to be March 4th at 3 p.m. Eastern. So, uh, you know, put that in your calendars. And also we're offering our BOGO group coaching for March, for the month of March. Mm -hmm. So you buy one, get one free. I, I offer a group coaching every Friday at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we get on a Zoom webinar and uh, I answer questions. Any questions about real estate, mindset, health, wealth, anything that you, know, that you can come up with. And what we're offering is if you join in March, you get you can pay for the month of March and get one month free. And it's only $36 a month. So it's really, you know, inexpensive. And the information that you get there can, you know, really help you make millions of dollars and, mm -hmm. you know, help you live the life of your dreams. And mm -hmm. also on top of that, uh, when you join the, uh, the buy one, get one, I'm going to throw in my perfect money raising system that I've created that I've I've gone out and raised millions of dollars with, and it's very intense, it's very deep, it's very thorough on exactly creating your story, going out there and, and automating your, your money raising capabilities, finding your team, and, and just really understanding what it takes to go out and have people chase after you rather than you chasing after people to get money, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So once again, guys, thanks for being on the show. You can find us on YouTube, on all social media platforms, even TikTok, MeWe, Telegram. We're all there. And Julie, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been awesome having you. And I look forward to doing a lot of business together. Great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Absolutely. Take care, guys. See you Take next care. week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.